There we go. Something I need to uh, do before I start. Uh, something I've neglected to do during announcement time. Jim and Jan Jones, where y'all at? Where you at? Raise your hand right there. Those are our new members this morning, y'all, right there. Join. Hey, I, th I think they like y'all. That's a good deal. Welcome to Chisholm Trail Church. See, Jackie normally does that, and I drop the ball, but that's okay, because it won't be the first time I ever drop the ball. Um, let's uh, go into our sermon time this morning. We're going to be back in Revelation chapter 6, going to cover a couple more things. Uh, I'm going to cover just a couple more things in the tribulation period, then we're going to move on to something else. But uh, there's, a couple, there's a couple of key things that we need to talk about uh, while we're studying this part of eschatology, right? Eschatological uh, study. Yeah, I love saying that. I don't know why. Okay, so this is the theme of the verse. We all agree that Jesus is going to return, right? So let's read it together when we get to the underlying part. Behold what? He is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, and even those who pierced him, and all the tribes of the earth will wail on account of him, even so, amen. We know that when Christ returns and sets foot on the earth, uh, he will reign for a thousand years without question. See, right now, uh, we're in the church age, right there. That's where we're at. Remember, we've talked about that. We're in the age right now where when the gospel is preached, you have to make a heart choice, a choice in your heart whether to trust Jesus as your Savior or not. Praise God, we live in this incredible age where God is offering His grace to you by salvation through grace, where He says, you don't bring anything to the table. You bring yourself for forgiveness of sins, and God will reach in and save your soul right where you sit. Because if you believe that Jesus died and he was buried and rose again for our sins in accordance with the scripture, the Bible says that Jesus will save you, that he'll give you eternal life. We live in that incredible age of grace. When Christ returns, right now you have a choice whether you call him Lord or not. The Bible says if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. Everybody say Jesus is Lord. Jesus. If we confess with our mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in our heart, say in my heart, that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved, right? So we have to, in this life right now, we get this opportunity in the church age to say, Christ is Lord of my life, I trust him and I want him to save me, right here, right now. You can do that. God's going to offer his grace to you for you to do that. But when Christ returns and he sets foot on the earth and reigns for a thousand years, there will be no one with a choice anymore. Whether you believe it or not, whether you trust it or not, when Christ stands on the earth, everyone will call him Lord, whether you want to or not. Because he's come back of King of Kings and Lord of Lords, the Bible says, and so everyone will call him Lord then. So that's why it says every eye will see him, every, even those who pierced him. They're going to confess who he is, right? So I want, you, I want you to think about that as we talk about the church age. Okay, we're going to go through the chart one more time because I know there are people joining us all the time as we go through this study. And so I want you to understand it. So we're in that age right now. It's going on, the church age. One day, 
the Bible says that the church will be caught up to heaven. Not Christ coming to set foot on the earth, but he will call the church to heaven. Those who believe in him, if you have the opportunity right now to trust Jesus as your Savior, if you trust him and you give your life to him, on this day of the rapture, he will call us up to heaven and we will be with him in heaven. When that happens, something else happens right at the time the church comes up, and that's the seven-year tribulation time. That's what we've been studying here recently. And the Bible describes that as the time that is so bad, there's no other time like it on earth. There's never been a time like this uh, before, and there will never be again. This is a very, very bad time. Now, listen to me. This is why I keep going over this, because I want you to understand it, okay? If you believe that Jesus can save your soul right now, and you believe that he has, you will not see that time. You will be raptured up into heaven. So the church will not be present in that time. The Holy Spirit will be lifted with the church and what is holding back evil, the scripture says, will be unleashed or will let go and therefore uh, evil is going to reign on the earth for seven years and it's going to be a bad time. Now we talked about the four horsemen. Now I've got to review something really quickly because you remember we talked about the Antichrist, the pale horse, right? And the horse of war, the red horse, the horse of famine, and pestilence, the black horse. And then there was the pale horse, right? The horse. And, and okay, I want to tell you all what was going on up here last week when I started talking about the pale horse. This is my family, and this is the way they think, and they give me a hard time. So there, Hannah looks over at her mom, and she says, because, okay, the horse in my, in my graphic, the pale horse was green, right? And so she says, Hannah looks over at mom and says, why is the horse green? And Pam says, well, maybe he's got a tummy ache, right? Okay, that's not why he's green, okay? Uh, the, the wording in the scripture, pale, the reason he's green is because that, that the Greek word is green, okay? So she said, I should probably explain that to y'all, so there it is, you got it now. Okay? So anyway, so we talked about the pale horse, and we talked about these judgments that are coming on the seven-year tribulation. We talked about how Revelation chapter 6 is kind of an overall picture of the whole seven years of tribulation, what's going to happen during that time. This morning, we're going to talk about something very excited to me, exciting to me that's going to happen in that seven-year tribulation period. So let's read about it, found in Revelation chapter 6, verses 9 through 11. This is the fifth seal. And it says, When he opened the fifth seal, I saw under the altar the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God, and for their witness they had borne. They cried out with a loud voice, O sovereign Lord, holy and true, how long before you will judge and avenge our blood on those who dwell on the earth? Then they were each given a white robe and told to rest a little while longer until the number of their fellow servants and their brothers should be complete and who were killed or who were to be killed as they themselves had been. This is a really Kind of a hard verse to read, but it's really, I want to tell you all something, even though it's hard, even though this is happening in a terrible time, something great is happening along with it. Uh, look at this right here. When I saw the fifth seal, everybody say the fifth seal. Okay, so there's seven seals that we read about in this chapter, all representing the seven years tribulation period. I saw under the altar, let's read that church the souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and the witness. 
and they, that they had born. Now, this is what I want to bring you to. Next slide is this. The salvation in the seven years tribulation. Will people be getting saved during that time? And that's the, that's the question we're going to answer today. And I hope, you'll, I hope you'll get it with me. This is, a, this is the part of the tribulation. If there's any part of it that brings joy, it's this part right here. Um, if we look a little further down in the scripture, like I said, there is a picture here in, in chapter 6 of the whole of, of, of the seven years, right? Now, there's little things that are happening, like the Antichrist is going to come on, and he's, gonna, he's going to be the conqueror. He's going to rule on the earth, right? There's going to be a lot of war. Jesus said, you're going to hear of wars and rumors of war, and that's a sign of this coming, but then when this is bad, it's going to be really bad. So the war horse. There's going to be a lot of people that are hungry, a lot of things like that going on, a lot of death, the pale horse, a lot of that going on. But also, during this seven years, there are going to be a lot of people that are getting saved. There are going to be a lot of people coming to Christ during this time. Uh, this is what he says, he's, this vision he saw. And after this, I looked and ready, and behold, what? A great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages. I just want to stop right there, just for a second. Because as I look around the room, I, wanna, I want you to think about something. I want you to think about our world right now. And I want you to think about the division that's taking place in our society. We're, we're drawing lines with our color of our skin and where we come from and the way we talk. I want you to think about how there's divisiveness in our world. And, you know, everybody is wanting to point the finger and blame somebody else for something for, and, and, and for causing this. But I saw a sign the other day when I was, I was traveling down 171 between Cleburne and Parker. And it's on a church. Um, and they're on the right. And it says, the problem, listen to me, this is good. The problem is not skin, it's sin. Right? And, and so I want to tell you something. Now I want you, I want you to, I want you to think about it like this. I want you to think about this. God does not look down at you and see white, black, brown, yellow, orange, purple, green. Right? He doesn't see any of that. God does not look down and say, "You talk like a redneck. You're not getting saved." He doesn't care how you talk. He doesn't care whether you came from what side of the tracks you came from. He doesn't, you can be the richest of the rich and be as lost as you can be without Jesus. And you can be the poorest of the poor and be as lost as you can be without Jesus. God does not see a distinction in any of that. He only sees one thing. And listen to me. He sees a soul of someone who needs him. And he wants, I'm going to get to this in a little bit, but he wants to save you right where you sit. And he don't care where you came from and what you did. Because right here in the scripture it says, even those that had not, uh, this is, these are people post-rapture church. These are people who were in the tribulation time. They see the truth. And it says they were a great multitude. And they came from every nation and all tribes and all languages. There was one thing they had in common. One thing they had in common. It's the one thing our world has in common today. 
is they needed Jesus. Right? So and we read on, it says, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, what were they? Clothed in white robes. What does that tell you? That tells you this. Uh, and we're going to read about it in a minute. What, let's go ahead. Uh, and with a loud voice, they, they sang this. Ready to read it right there, church. Salvation belongs. Let's read it, read it loud. I can't hear you. Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and the Lamb. They had trusted in Christ to save them. You see, the great part about the tribulation period is salvation's going to come to those who, who, are, who, who are saved just like it comes to us. They, they're wearing white robes. What does that tell you? That God had saved them and cleansed them from their sin. That they, had, they were saved just like we are, except on the other side of this tribulation. Now, that comes, they're going to know the great cost of that. And I'm going to talk about that in a minute. Because with us being in the age of grace, which is good, see, because we, oh, isn't it great? I'm going to tell you, so because we were able to come to this church this morning, celebrate our risen Savior together without any problems. Without anyone telling us we can't. Now, that's not like that all over the world. It's like that here. We're so blessed because we can freely come to church and we can freely be saved and no one's going to give us any problems about it. Not real problems. We don't have real problems here. I've been places where they do. But in this time, this is not going to be the case. When someone comes to Christ in this time, it's going to be their life to pay. We're going to talk about that in a minute. So, uh, But the salvation, them being cleansed from their sins, comes in the same way. Uh, look at this, and let's read on. And it says, saying, Amen, blessing and glory and wisdom and thanksgiving and honor and power and might be to our God forever and ever. Um, the one, then one of the elders addressed me saying, Ready? Who are these clothed in white robes? So he's talking about, he looks at it and says, All these people were worshiping God. All these people were wearing white robes because they'd been saved by the blood of the Lamb. Who are these people? And this is how it was answered. Uh, and, and from where have they come? And I said to him, Sir, you know. And he said to me, Ready? These are the ones coming out of the great tribulation. They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. So they were saved just like we are. Coming out of the great tribulation. But there's a question. Why are they in heaven now? And that's what we need to answer. Um, here's a couple of things I want to, there, there's a few things that we need to talk about this morning. First of all is this, and this is directly to you, and it's directly to those in that time. It's to you in this time, and it's to them in that time. First of all is this, God loves and desires everyone to be saved. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to tell you something. It's not about your performance. You didn't come, you don't come to God and bring any good deeds or anything so that you could be saved. Um, he doesn't want to slap you with a ton of rules and regulations for your life and tell you, man, if you don't follow this book to the T, there's no way I'm going to save you. God doesn't hand you a Bible and say, read it, study it, know it, and then I'll save you. Read it, study it, know it, apply it, and then I'll save you. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, come to me, all of you who are weary and 
heavy laden, and I will give you rest. For my yoke is easy, and my burden is light. What's that tell me about Jesus? He just wants to save me. You know, it's not about merit. I gotta tell y'all a story. Kind of fits. Last night, we were at our little rodeo there, Johnson County Sheriff's Posse. You know, uh, man, it's a late night sometimes, and and uh, it's two o'clock in the morning. I'm throwing horses in the trailer, and we're piling kids in the truck, and we're leaving. And Kobe and Kylie are riding with me, and and uh, they're sitting in the front because we. I don't have a trailer with a tack room. I got a Dugan stock trailer, so like we threw all the trailers in the back seat, or the horse, the saddles in the back seat, and we had a front seat set in. And so Kobe's in the middle, Kylie's over here, and they're all like this, you know. And uh, we get about halfway home, and Kobe says, Say, Dad. I said, Yeah. Now listen to this. This is how confident. The trophy he had tonight, today, was from two, uh, play day ago, not from last night. And the trophy he had the, night, the day before was from two play days ago. So this is how confident he is. He says, Can you... Uh, it's not great. It's like 2.15 in the morning. Can you call Mr. Josh and see when I'm going to get my trophy? Like, I'm going to get it, right? It's happening. It's already a done deal, you know. And I, I said, Bubba, I said, you got to understand something. I said, you were fourth place in everything tonight. I said, you're not going to get a trophy. He said, what do you mean? He said, I did everything right. And, uh, and I got one-third I said, okay, but you're still not getting the trophy. He said, would you just call him and see? <laughs> I said, I'll tell you what, tomorrow we'll look at the internet. Maybe they'll have the standings up we can see there. He says, well, give me your phone. I'm going to look it up right now. That boy can't look up stuff on the internet. Anyway, I said, no. I said, you're fine. Go to sleep, you know. But I, I got to thinking about that confidence he had in what was going to happen. And really and truly, he is not. he didn't equate what he did, his performance, to what he was getting. He only equated that, man, I've got a trophy the last couple times I've been there. I'm going to get another one. That's fine. That's the way it goes, right? Well, here's the thing we, I want you to think about. I want you to think about when, you, when it comes to your salvation, don't equate your performance to what God's going to give you. Because this is the truth. It's not your performance that saves you. It's not, you don't come to Christ with any ability whatsoever. It is only the performance of Christ that can save you. It is only by his dying on the cross, shedding his blood, and saving our soul, rising again. That's the only thing. We come to him realizing that and knowing that it's his ability to save me and not my own. It's his ability to hold on to me and not mine. I bring nothing to the table. So God loves everyone. He wants you to be saved. Here's the next one. The gospel will be preached during the tribulation. We know that. Like it's being preached now, right now, it's preached then. And giving your life to Christ to be saved, listen to me, is always a good decision. You know, I've, I've talked to people about this, and uh, I've talked to them about their decision for Christ. And um, uh, I'll tell you a really good one. I know he won't mind if I bring it up, but... Um, we just baptized him and his kids not too long ago, him and his boys, Chance Lavender. You know, the first time I sat down with Chance and talked to him about and shared the gospel with him, the very first time we were at Meat and Taters, right? We were sitting there talking, and I, I, and I, I, I told him, you know, about what Jesus had done. And he knew a lot of it, you know, but he, 
he said, well, I just need to think about it a while. And I respected that I, because I knew God began to work in his heart. But he, wanted to, he just wanted to think about it. It took him like a year or two, right? But the one thing I said to him before I left is this. Chance, this is a decision that's always a good one. Um, I want you to think about that for a minute. You're sitting there and you're contemplating, should I give my life to Jesus? Well, that's always a good decision. Because he's not asking you to do anything but give him your heart. I always say this, God does the rest. God does the rest. You give him your heart, he does the rest. It's easy. I mean, literally, salvation comes so easy because Jesus did all the work. We don't have to work for it, right? By grace you have been saved, not of, not of, not of your works. It is a gift of God. Everybody say, gift of God. So that no one can boast. And then God does the work. The Bible says, he who began a good work and you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. So it's God that does the work. So it's always a good decision. So here it is. Look at this. Um, the gospel will be, will be preached during this time. Uh, there's a couple of things here that happens. Uh, saying, do not harm the earth or the sea. This is in Revelation 7. The trees until they have sealed the, let's say that right there, the servants of our God and on their foreheads, and I heard the number of the, those sealed, and it was what? 144,000 sealed from every tribe of the sons of Israel. So this is what we know. There will be those that God sets aside from the nation of Israel that will be preaching the gospel during the tribulation time. Look at this next one. It talks about four angels. I'm just going to bring up the first one. They're ready? Then, ready? I saw another angel flying directly overhead. Ready? with an eternal gospel to proclaim to those who dwell on the earth through every nation, tribe, language, and people. What did we just read about? Every nation, tribe, language, and people. Literally, this is amazing to me because right now, uh, God's using men to preach the gospel. But in the tribulation time, he's going to step it up a notch and he's going to use angels to preach the gospel of Jesus Christ to the world. You know when the Bible says, where Jesus says these words, he says, first the gospel's got to be preached to all the world, and then the end will come, right? You know what I think the gospel is going to be preached to all the world? When the tribulation time comes and God uses angels to preach the gospel, you know, they can get everywhere they want to get, right? Amen. And nobody's going to stop or tell them to shut up, right? So there will be angels preaching the gospel. So that's one thing. The gospel will be preached all over the place. Um, look at this. In the next slide, I want, you, I want you to see this. Because this is what God desires, even in the tribulation period. Even in that time, he desires all people to be saved. You know, God doesn't exclude anyone from salvation. If you walk away from the salvation of the Lord Jesus Christ, you're walking away from it of your own doing. Someone asked me once, or more than once, how could a loving God send anybody to hell? You know what I tell them? A loving God offers you salvation from hell. If you go to hell, it's because you chose to. Right? So I want you to understand something. Listen to me. It's God that desires that you, if you're sitting here, that you be saved. Uh, this is good and pleasing. This is 1 Timothy chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. In the sight of what? God, or who? God, our Savior, 
who desires all people to be saved. Look at the person next to you and say, are you part of those all people? Ask them the question. Are you, are, hey, ask them this. This is even better. Are you a real person? Right? Because if you are a real person, if, you, if you're alive and your heart's beating and you're, whew, and you're here, then God desires that you be saved. The Bible says he desires that. What about this one? I mentioned this one last week because I want you to know, like I told you, you know, one of the things that I had to learn, uh, I wish I'd learned it sooner. I've been, from the time I was a kid, which, you know, if you think about the human lifespan, I mean, you know, man, if we make it to 100, we're doing pretty good, right? What's 100 years in God's eyes when he's eternal, you know? But I, I want you to think about this. I want you to think about your span of life, how many times you've heard, you know, which I'm not, listen, I'm not downplaying this at all, but I want you to, I, 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 I don't desire anybody walk in fear of the times because we shouldn't walk in fear of the times. I've heard from the time I was a little boy, man, Jesus is coming soon. Jesus is coming soon. They used to, and, and for some reason that would frighten me. And I don't want, it shouldn't frighten you that Jesus is coming soon. That should bring you joy, right? But at the same time, you know, it kind of gives us this idea uh, when, when, when you hear that, see, the, you know, that guy holding that sign says, the end is near, right? Man, I, the end's been near my whole life. I'm not knocking it. I'm not saying it's not, right? But man, uh, to God, the end's been near since Jesus left. And that was 2,000 years ago. Well, 2,000 years in the eyes of God is just not, it's a blink, but so we see these signs, the end is near. Well, my life is over, I'm done. I might as well go about, you know, and be sad and, and uh, it's over with for me. Please don't think like that. You know what I, I'm reminded of, and I'm kind of getting on a rabbit trail, but I think I need to. I'm reminded of when the children of Israel went into captivity in Babylon. And so they were taken into captivity, and that was a downer day for them. I mean, that was some bad stuff. They were taken out of their homeland, and they were put in a place they didn't recognize. They were under a king they didn't like. And God sent a prophet to them, and you know what he told them? He said, marry, give in marriage, have children, build houses, have farms, raise cattle, do everything that you're doing that you've been doing all along. Don't, there's no reason to stop anything. Live by faith in me. And that's in the same passage where it says, where I know the plans I have for you, says the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Jeremiah 29, 11. You see, God wants you to live like you have faith in Christ right now. Live your life every day to follow him and serve him. And also live it with confidence that he has you, right? So um, this is what I, I said all that to say this. So first or second Peter, he talks about how a thousand years is a day to God and a day to God is a thousand years. And he, and he goes on to say, the Lord's not slow to fulfill his promise. In other words, people are saying, Christ is coming, Christ is coming. And people, where's he at? Where's he at? Well, Peter says, hey, don't let that discourage you because listen, God's not slow concerning his promise. <coughs> He's going to fulfill his promise as some, as one would count slowness, but it's patient toward you. Why? Listen to this. Read this. Ready? Not wishing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Right? All should reach 
repentance. Hey, look at the person next to you and say, are you part of the all? Right? Right? Are you a part of those that God, if you're here, yes. God wants everyone to be saved. He desires that. And even in the tribulation period, that will happen. So let me wrap this up. Next, next slide. Here it is. Uh, when they opened the fifth seal, I saw them under the altar. And this is really good, and I want you to get this part before I close the sermon. The souls of those who had been slain for the word of God and for their witness they had borne. Um, their cost for their salvation, they knew of it. Um, in Revelation 13, it describes the time of these things that are happening. That king, that Antichrist king that came to earth, he's going to come here and he's going to demand that everybody worship him and nobody can worship anyone else. And the Bible describes it right here as if, and they call, it calls him the beast here. If you don't worship him, he's going to kill you. Right? Um, it says uh, the beast was given a mouth uttering haughty, blasphemous things. And he was allowed to exercise authority for 42 months. And it opened its mouth to utter blasphemies against God. In other words, he talked, basically said God was nothing. And blaspheming his name and in his dwelling, that is, and those who had who dwelled in the heaven. And ready? The, here it is. And also it was allowed to make war on the saints and to conquer them. And authority was given it over in every tribe and people and language and nation. So this is what it says, what, what this saying in a nutshell. I'm going to wrap it up because I, I don't want to get into the other part until next week. But this is what it's saying here. It's saying when that Antichrist comes on the scene, that anyone who won't bow down and worship him, but worships Jesus, he's going to slay them. He's going to take them out. Those people that are saved during the tribulation period, there's one thing different between them and us now. Hear me. We can freely come to Christ in our day, give our life to him, and be saved. In that time, those people that give their life to Jesus, they won't be allowed to live anymore on the earth. That's why they're in heaven under the altar. That's why there's multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation. What amazes me is this. You know, when you think about the cost, they know. They know the cost, but they, um, they realize that that small momentary affliction is nothing compared to the eternal weight of glory that God brings through salvation. And, you know, I, 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 this is where it comes back to us. First of all, if you're saved this morning, I hope this will be the moment that you will quit looking at that as some mediocre act or something that, well, you know, we all get to go to church and we all get baptized and we get saved and it's all easy. You know, there was a price of death paid for your salvation as well. 
and he says these words. He says, there was a man who was a sinner, and he went to the temple to pray. And there was another man who was a Pharisee or a keeper of the law, and he went to the temple to pray. And the man of the Pharisee said, he prayed and thanked God that he wasn't like that sinner. He prayed and thanked God that he was a, a, a man who did all, followed all the law and did all the right things. He was pretty proud of himself. And it says the man who was a sinner stood far back away, and he wouldn't even look to heaven, and he beat on his chest, and he cried out these words, Lord, have mercy on me, a sinner. And Jesus asked his disciples after he told that story, he said, which one do you think went away justified? And he told them it was the man who cried out for mercy, not the man who was so proud of himself. See, Christ wants to justify you as you cry out for mercy for him. Whoever calls on the name of the Lord shall be saved. So this is what I'm going to ask you to do. I'm going to help you call on the name of the Lord. I'm just going to pray with you and lead you in a prayer to call upon Jesus to save you. And if you will do this right now, Christ will come into your life and, and save your soul right where you sit. I want you, I'm going to lead you in this prayer. You just repeat after me. And, then, and you can pray this right there where you sit in your heart. God hears it. Or you can pray it out loud. Doesn't matter, but God wants to save you this morning. So as I pray, you pray with me. Lord Jesus, I know I've sinned against you. And I want to ask you to forgive me for my sin. I know you died on that cross for me. And I know you rose again on the third day. I know you can save my soul. So I ask you to come into my life and give me eternal life and save me. And it's in your mighty name, in the name of Jesus, I proclaim, I am saved. Lord Jesus, I want to thank you for those that prayed with me this morning. I want to ask that you would bless their day. Help me, Lord, to stay in touch with them, Lord. And, and Lord, I just pray that you would connect us uh, in, the, in the ways that, we, that we're, we're going to show, Lord, that, that they can follow up with their decision to follow you. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Amen. So this morning, I want to I invite you to do something. If you sat out there and you prayed that prayer with me and you gave your life to Christ, please don't be shy about this and understand that when you do this, this is going to be a conversation between you and I and no one else. It's nobody's business but yours and God's, but I want to be a part of it and help you understand your salvation. So here's what I want you to do. When you, when you leave this place, I need you to go to the back. Shane, will you hold up one of those pieces of paper right there? I need you to fill one of those out, put your name and your phone number on it, and as you and when you do that, leave it in the offering box on the way out the door. And if you'll do that, they'll give me that card, and I will contact you and, he and help you understand the decision you made for Jesus. So um, if, you'll, if you'll do that, I'd really appreciate it before we leave today. Uh, we've got a special treat for y'all this morning. I'm going to ask those that are getting baptized to come up here.